Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. I am so excited about today's guest. I had the opportunity of meeting him at the National Association for Speakers, and when I heard his topic, I had to have him on the show. Dr. Mate Seibel is one of America's leading voices on women's wellness and menopause. His passion is to help women in perimenopause and menopause who are struggling with symptoms to help them get their lives back by using a holistic approach. Dr. Seibel is a member of the Harvard Medical School faculty and Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, where he sees patients and is responsible for training fellows and residents in menopause. He's a frequent contributor to multiple blogs, Facebook Live, online summits, and webinars as a way to educate the public. Dr. Seibel has received multiple national awards and is editor of the magazine, The Hot Years, my menopause magazine. And he's author of over 200 scientific articles and 16 books on women's health, including his number one bestseller, The Estrogen Fix, which is a guide to being healthy energized, and hormonally balanced through perimenopause. Dr. Seibel, thank you so much for fitting this interview in today. I'm just honored to have you as a guest. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very grateful enough for the opportunity to speak. In 2002, there was a really uh, big study that came out, and some of you may remember it. It was called the Women's Health Initiative. And in that study, the WHI Women's Health Initiative, it said, and I might say incorrectly, that taking estrogen caused breast cancer and it caused heart disease and all kinds of terrible things. It was frightening. And just millions of women, literally, literally millions of women just threw their hormones into the bay and they threw them in the trash can and they just cold turkey, then they were miserable. But what happened was, only a few months after that, my wife had surgery that threw her into early menopause. And as a result of coming right after the Women's Health Initiative, her doctors were reluctant to treat her with hormones. So I literally had to figure this out so she wouldn't have to tough it out. And I've actually spent now my, my career focusing on this demographic, on this point in time. I say I used to do sperm to term, and now I do womb to tomb. <laughs> it's really important for women. And actually, yesterday I gave grand rounds at Beth Israel Hospital in Boston, and I gave them what I called a uh, continuing menopause education quiz. And I said, which of these is the most common condition for women. Which is the most common? I said, is it infertility? Because a lot of people have infertility. No. Is it pregnancy? Well, my God, you think pregnancy? No. 
Is it cancer? Everyone thinks, oh, cancer. No. Is it menopause? And the answer is yes, because everyone, if you live long enough, will go into menopause. And one comment I want to say right here is that many women avoid talking about menopause because it's kind of taboo or it makes them feel older or they don't want anybody to know. And the fact of the matter is that menopause is not about age. It's about transition because you can go into menopause potentially at any age. And in fact, even though the mean age is 51 in this country, five to 10% of women, that's between three and uh, 600,000 women uh, each year go into menopause uh, between the ages of 40 and 45, you know, under the age of 45. So it's, it's not uncommon at all. It's all about transition, not about age. What causes a woman that's maybe between that 40 and 45? Are there certain medical conditions that might prompt an early menopause? Well, some women will genetically just be predetermined. And the best way to know when you're going to go into menopause is how old was your mom when she went into menopause? And you're more likely than not to fit into that general pattern. But there are a lot of things that cause early menopause. And one of them has to do with certain conditions. For instance, things like endometriosis can cause it to happen earlier when the there is uh, tissue from the lining of the uterus that gets into the ovaries, and it's really a destructive kind of non-cancer invasive kind of a condition. But another group just naturally will go in just because they do. Some women will go through chemotherapy for different kinds of things. And a new group of women that is really becoming a large group that's going into menopause around age 35 or between 35 and 40, are the women who have genetic problems such as the, uh, C the BRCA or breast cancer gene. And women who have that gene will often have their ovaries and fallopian tubes removed early in order to lower their risk for breast and ovarian cancer. And so they prophylactically or have what's called risk-reducing surgery, and they are thrown into menopause. And this is such an important group. And here's something that's really important. Because they have a breast cancer gene, and people incorrectly think that estrogen is going to cause an increased risk of breast cancer, the women who have this breast cancer gene have their ovaries out there, pow, they're thrown into menopause. And even their oncologists and all these other people don't want to give them hormones because they're worried about they're going to get breast cancer. And now we know that the latest information is that if you are a woman that has this BRCA gene, you can take hormones without increasing your risk of breast cancer any more than the gene already has increased it for you. So you're not worsening your plight by taking hormones and you're going to get rid of your symptoms. And I do want to add, though, that for women in general, some who will take estrogen, some who won't, whether it's a bad problem or not, some people won't, some people can't. But whether you choose to or not, you have to take care of what I call the some of you 
and not just some of you. You have to be able to look at yourself holistically, to deal with the issues of prevention where you can, and to do the kinds of lifestyle and physical and emotional support for your mind, body, and spirit that will help you enjoy the life you want to live. Because otherwise, you're just going to be suffering silently. And I will say somewhat needlessly, because there's always things you can do to feel better. Let's talk about some of those preventative measures. Are there things that women should be doing in that window between 40 and 50 that could lessen the symptoms that they would experience when they go into menopause? Yes, there are. Now, the first thing is pretty obvious. Don't smoke. If you're a smoker, stop it. That's just not good for your health. It's also going to throw you into earlier menopause. You're going to move yourself into menopause two or three years younger because you smoke. And actually, even if you're a reproductive age woman, did you know that smoking increases the risk of ectopic or tubal pregnancies? It's it causes a lot of problems in addition to what it does to your skin and other things. But we're not here to talk about smoking. Let me just say, don't smoke. But the next things are, if your weight is over a certain amount, if you're really, you know, overweight, start working on that today. And, you know, you can't lose 50 pounds in a day or a week, but you can lose five pounds in a month. And it's kind of like your shampoo bottle, rinse and repeat, because weight is not going to be your friend. The second thing, or the third thing is exercise. Have an exercise routine, because lifestyle habits like weight control, exercise, and you don't have to run the Boston Marathon. Just walk every day for 25, 30 minutes. Even doing that, I say even, doing that, will be a tremendous help for you. The next thing is to look at the, what goes in your mouth and you want to try and eat the kinds of foods that will support a healthy body and mind. And really, we're talking about a day in our, in our lifetime where the food chain has been compromised and we have a lot of pesticides in our foods. So I personally, and I tell the, my patients that, you really need to try to eat the organic foods as much as you can. If you're not familiar with a group of foods called the Dirty Dozen, Google that. It's basically the 12 foods that are the most pesticide-laden foods, and those you want to really focus on. And those include foods like uh, strawberries, for instance. Eat those organic because they don't have a peel on them, and they soak up every pesticide that's used. So. Uh, weight control, exercise, uh, nutrition. You want to try and get as much, get your sleep habits in line, and you want to try and get seven hours of sleep a night if you can, and try to make those consistent. That's a whole discussion there. And then finally, stress reduction. We live in the crazy time. It's crazy. <laughs> the news is just mind-boggling. I no longer watch the news after six o'clock because you have this entrainment in your brain where you sleep on what you last are thinking about. So I try and make the last things I sleep, I, I do before I go to sleep, relaxing things. Mm -hmm. Take a bath or a shower. Try and listen to relaxing music. Try having on, uh, read a book that's not crazy, but something that's 
informative or relaxing to read. Talk with people who you actually like, not people that you have to talk with, so that it's a pleasant conversation. These kinds of relaxation techniques are really helpful to help you go to bed and feel more rested in the morning. And try to do things like meditation. I recently took a course at one of the Harvard courses I enrolled in. It was like uh, six weeks long. It was on meditation, mindfulness, because I want to start incorporating these things. And there are apps for your phone that you can get that are, there are several of them out there. Some are free, some are minimal cost that give you meditations that are, some are guided, some are not, so that you can just listen to peaceful things. But this ability to stop thinking about things for periods of time puts commas in your life because as i say if you don't pause during the day your life is like a run-on sentence you have to be able to stop and take some opportunity to smell the flowers so these lifestyle things are really really important are there any vitamins um supplements herbs uh, that will help women in perimenopause and menopause. I mean, I was always told, oh, soy products, there's there's things in soy that can, you know, lessen um, night sweats, things like that. What are your thoughts on that, doctor? Well, it depends on if they're for symptoms or not for symptoms. Let's talk first about general health. I think that for women, the most important things, I think that most women need calcium and you want to try and get 100 to 1,000 uh, to 1200 milligrams a day. And you can only absorb about five or 600 milligrams of calcium. So try and take it in two divided dosages, one in the morning, one in the evening. You also need magnesium and magnesium and calcium compete to get absorbed in the body. So if you're going to take say 400 milligrams of magnesium a day, you want to try and take it away from the time you take calcium, or they're going to try and be both running through the same door at the same time and you won't get as much of all of them. So calcium, magnesium. Um, the next thing I think it's important to take is a multivitamin. A lot of people are not getting the foods that they, th they think, the nutritional quality of foods they think they should. So a multivitamin, there's some designed for women in particular that are focused a little bit better on what women's needs are versus say men's needs. Uh, the next thing I think that's important is vitamin D3. In, the, in this state, we live in the Northeast, and but even in the Sun Belt, so many women have low Vitamin D. And vitamin D is not only important for your bone health, which is where it's primarily thought about prevention of rickets and these bone diseases, but vitamin D may be important in terms of prevention of certain cancers like breast cancer. It may be important in terms of pancreatic cancer reduction. There's studies that are suggesting this. Vitamin D also helps muscle strength. If you're losing your hair and your vitamin D is low, that may be helpful. If you have hot flashes, occasionally upping your vitamin D, not to super normal, but from low to normal may help those. So that's something. The next thing is fish oil. I think 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of fish oil is very important for the omega-3s that you get there. Um, those are things that I think will help most women 
and I think should be part of your daily regimen. Now, if you have symptoms, that's a whole discussion on alternatives. And actually, in my book, The Estrogen Window and in The Estrogen Fix, which you can see over my shoulder there, uh, I have a whole section in there about alternatives to estrogen. But soy you were talking about, I wrote a book several years back called The Soy Solution for Menopause, an entire book on soy. There's a lot of data on soy, and actually, it can be very helpful. It may not turn off the heat, but it may cool it down a little bit. And basically, what it does is it gives you a nutritional approach to help control soy, uh, hot flashes. It also can be helpful for bone health and may have many other uh, benefits. And so soy is a, a reasonable supplement, but I think soy is best taken probably as a whole food, eating something like edamame, you know, the little green pods that you find in Trader Joe's or other stores that you can just pop them in the microwave or boil them. They're a great appetizer, or you can get tofu. And what's nice about it is you can buy tofu and if you like to make like a meatloaf, which has a lot of saturated fat, you can just put up to 30% of that hamburger, you can replace it with soy tofu and mix it in. First of all, it's going to be cheaper. And the next thing is you won't taste it. I promise you. as long as you keep it to one third or less, you won't taste it. And now you've got something that's cutting down your saturated fat, cutting the cost down in a tasty way that incorporated to your meal. Make little cubes of tofu and throw it into your soup in the last half hour, you know, when you're just about ready to take it off. There's so many ways you can take them and and uh, you can pan fry them and you can turn those into the things you put in your salad for croutons. There's just a lot of recipes and things with soy in it. Um, so I think that is a, a great supplement. Uh, the other areas that have supplements in particular, one area is, um, and one topic that most women don't talk about is one where, it, where there's pain with intimacy or dryness down below. And it's really interesting that that topic, which affects so many women, 40% of women to 50% of women have that problem, but they're embarrassed to talk about it. And they're embarrassed based on surveys because number one, they think, number one, their doctor will be embarrassed. They think their doctor won't know what to do about it, or they think there's nothing to be done about it. Probably all of those are not accurate. On the other hand, the doctor is not going to ask about it because time is, you know what it is when you go into doctors, you've already spent more time with me here than the average doctor visit. Right. And so the problem is you go in with a, with a topic that's got you uncomfortable and the doctor may not want to talk about it because they're afraid that it's going to take too long. So it never gets talked about. 7%, only 7% of women get treated for this problem. There's over-the-counter products like, uh, like uh, Replens or other moisturizers versus lubricants. There's, there's also a number of treatments, including estrogen. And even if you have, according to the American College of OBGYN, as of this uh, 2016, they put out an opinion piece, even if you have estrogen receptor positive breast cancer and other things don't work, 
they feel it's safe, according to this opinion piece, to use local or vaginal estrogen for that problem because there's been no cases that they have found, no incidence of either increased death or recurrence based on local estrogen. And recently, there's been some new alternative to estrogen hormonal approaches that we can talk about, but that are also available. So do not suffer in silence. If you have a problem, write it down so you don't forget. Give yourself enough time to talk with your doctor or healthcare provider about it and ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. And if you ask, you will get. And if that provider either can't or won't help you, ask who can and then get an appointment with that person because somebody in this town or whatever town you're in will help you. And that's what you must do. I think you've touched upon one of the, you know, the key problems for women is the intimacy factor, the dryness, and also the heat. What that that intense heat that causes the sweating. What causes that heat, doctor? Well, what happens is um, there is a broken thermostat in the brain in terms of heat regulation. The way the brain works with heat is that normally what happens is just like in the, in your house when you get too hot then the heat itself will take a thermostat turn the heater off or if you have the air conditioning on and the temperature rises too much it'll turn the air conditioner on so we have a, a push pull system right in our brain right there at the in that part of the brain that's telling us exactly when to make heat in our body. When estrogen goes down, it's very regulated by hormones. And when estrogen levels goes down, that thermostat gets funky. And as a result, the body is letting off heat uh, at sporadically at times. So you have vessels that are contracting at first, and then after they constrict, causing some symptoms, then they, they dilate, and that's when the heat just comes off like crazy because it dissipates the heat. And so the woman can experience this from heat from anywhere from five minutes to up to 30 minutes. And they, they can be a long time. And I've had many women tell me that, you know, I was up in front of my, uh, I was giving a a lecture to a group of people and all of a sudden I started getting hot and it was so embarrassing or I was up in front of the board meeting or I was at the PTA or I was wherever I was and this happened or I was talking to somebody that were really upsetting me and I got upset and all of a sudden my face turned red and they knew it and I gave myself away you know and it's upsetting so those are things that you can treat and something that's important to understand that this vasoconstriction is a big deal. And so if you're having really a lot of hot flashes, it's not just heat that you're dealing with. That could be an indicator that you have some vessel problem, and that could be even a, a subtle clue to heart disease or other things if it's, if it's really frequent and severe. So don't just take that as a nuisance. You have to go and look into this and deal with it and get it treated. First of all, there are a lot of treatments for this. So don't suffer. Again, I just tell you, don't suffer. You don't have to. What is your favorite 
approach, and maybe this isn't the right question, but what do you recommend most frequently to the average woman going through menopause as a uh, as a treatment plan? Is there something that is sort of like middle of the road that you're very comfortable with that you've used and had great success with? Well, I would have to say that each woman is unique. And so, um, as Mark Twain said, all generalizations are inaccurate, including this one. <laughs> so I would uh, the way I do it is I basically divide women into two groups those who would be open to hormone therapy and those who would not be open to hormone therapy because I think there's the big divide. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize that because of fear and confusion, I mean, in 2002, when that Women's Health Initiative came out, just before that, estrogen was the number one prescribed medicine in the whole United States. And when it came out, this paper, and everyone got afraid and women quit using it, that fear and confusion persists till today, and 80% fewer women are using hormones today than in 2002, which means that there's a lot of people suffering. And it means that the doctors who've been in training for the last 70, 18 years are seeing 80% fewer people on which to gain knowledge and, and insight into how to treat this problem. So you have to also select your doctor or healthcare provider well and make sure that their biases and confusion don't prevent you from being treated. But I think that hormone therapy can be good for most women. And it's not just my opinion. Based on a 2017, September 12th article that came out in the Journal of the American Medical Association, if you took hormone therapy, even in the worst reported side effects and you look at the outcome of those women today, 18 years later, you are no more likely to die as a result of hormone therapy than if you didn't take it. Totally exactly the same numbers in terms of death, but you avoided all those sufferings and symptoms for all those years. So you're far better off in general with hormones than without it. If not, we have a lot of treatments available to help you a lot that can help you if you choose not to take those. It's not a punishment not to get them, but there are, because the hormones are going to every cell in your body, which is a good thing. But if you don't take hormone therapy, then you have to be astute to the fact that your bones, you're just as, if you're a healthy 50 year old woman, you are just as likely to die from a complication of a hip fracture in your lifetime as you are from breast cancer. But you're worrying about breast cancer, but are you getting your bones checked to see if you have thinning of your bones? What are you doing about that? So all of this is to say that a holistic approach with or without hormones taking into account your lifestyle, taking into account your emotional status, taking into account your physical activities, and all the things that go into life have to be part of your treatment plan. This is wonderful, wonderful information, Dr. Seibel. How can the listeners get in touch with you do you have a website or a Facebook page or someplace where they can go and maybe reach out to you for 
a deeper conversation about all of this. Absolutely. Um, my website, it's drmesh.com. Dr. I wish I, I was looking to see if I had a little card here, but I didn't. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Okay. So you can spell it out, but I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. It's well. drmache.com. That's my um, website, and you can reach me through that. Uh, if you're interested, I have, I'm starting a new uh, boot camp that's going to be starting pretty soon that's very cool and very inexpensive. It's called um, Beat Menopause Boot Camp, and it's available. This, I do have a card. It said, if you go to bloom90.com and you go there, we're offering it for $97 for a two-week boot camp plus access for months to the stuff. And it's daily emails. It's going to tell you what to do. Uh, recipes. It's going to give you uh, meditations. It's going to give you... Um, just a whole host of stuff. Plus there's going to be some live calls with me in that. So if you go to this, it's the best deal in town and it's That's fabulous. Yeah. It's made. And here's the deal. If you want to, if you go now in this, we're just launching it, you can bring a friend for free. So basically it's like nothing almost and you'll get a ton of information. So, so check that out. And if you want to talk to me personally or directly, you can go to Dr. Mesh. D-R-M-A-C-H-E.com. I do have a Facebook group. That I don't want to give you too many things. You just forget them. So I'll well, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing to support women in menopause. I mean, it's, well, and it's so needed. And bless you. you for coming today on the show. It's my pleasure. And I really feel that you have the power to improve the quality of your life. Take that power, get seen, and take charge because the choices you make today are going to affect you for the rest of your life. And you don't want it to seem like a long time. You want to live the full life in good health and then die. But you don't want it to be a long time feeling like it's a long time. So thank you very much for having me. I'm very grateful enough for the opportunity to speak to you. Wonderful. Thank you again, sir. This has been fabulous. Bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with a friend and leave some stars in a favorable review at iTunes. And be sure to visit MalduaneCoach.com for your free Heal Your Heart, Reclaim Your Worth six-week video course. 